has for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, again, good morning and happy 2022. I hope that your year has gotten off to a great start. I want to start out this morning sharing a letter with you. And this was uh, carried years ago in a small town newspaper. It was sent by one of its subscribers. It was a thank you note um, that a grandson had sent to his grandmother after a stay for a few days through the holidays. And it went something like this. Dear Grandma Kubicheski, I had lots of fun at your house. I'm sorry I dug up all your plants. I'm sorry I used a whole roll of toilet paper. I'm sorry I put it in the toilet. I'm sorry I tried to flush it down. I'm sorry the water went all over your floor. I'm sorry I bothered your neighbors. I'm sorry I made Grandpa mad. I'm sorry for putting sand in your rainwater. Sorry I lost three spoons. Grandma, can I come again for a few weeks next summer? <laughs> your grandson, Gary Peters. Now, what would you do if you got a letter like that? Grandma probably wrote back, come on over, it would be great to have you. Because that's the way it is for us. The worst thing that can happen to us is not that we are bothered by someone doing some petty things. The worst thing that can happen to us is not that someone does something that maybe angers us or annoys us for a moment. The worst thing that can happen is that we may be forgotten or left alone or ignored. There was a, a doctor, he's an oncologist, <clears throat> he said that the greatest single fear that he sees in his patients is that friends or family will abandon them precisely when the cancer strikes. That's more of a problem, he says, than the disease of cancer itself. See, we are absolutely made for connection. We are made to be doing things together as a body, to be known and to know others. And as a body of Christ, it's not only important that we are connected to each other, and listen to me carefully when I say this, it is impossible for any single one of us to mature in Christ on our own. It cannot be done. We are meant to be in a growing community with each other. I have to be walking in unity with my church in order to grow into maturity. So what I want to talk about this morning is how can I grow spiritually mature in 2022? I want to focus like a laser on this topic this morning. I want to be looking ahead. Here we are standing at the beginning of a new year. We can try new things, new possibilities. And I want to talk to you about growing mature coming in the year 2022. I want to focus on Ephesians chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, just three verses this morning. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. If you would please stand with me for the reading of God's word. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. So we are no longer to be children. 
tossed back and forth by waves and carried about by every wind of teaching, by the trickery of people who craftily carry out their deceitful schemes, but practicing the truth in love, we will in all things grow up to Christ, who is the head. From him the whole body grows, fitted and held together through every supporting ligament. As each one does its part, the body grows in love. You may be seated. We stand here again at the beginning of 2022. And as we move forward together here at First Baptist Church, at the top of my list of things I hope to happen in 2022 at First Baptist Church is this as an as this becomes an ever more connected body of believers, that we would grow more and more connected in 2022 than we are now, have been in the past. And I want to talk this morning about this this growing to maturity, because you cannot grow to maturity without unity. So there's three important questions I want to talk about this morning, three questions I think we can ask ourselves in regard to becoming more mature. First of all, am I stable? Do I speak truth? And am I growing closer to others? Am I stable? Do I speak truth? And am I growing closer to others? Let's talk about that first question. Am I stable? Now, to ask that, some of you are thinking, no, I'm not stable. Chad, if you came in my house, you'd know I'm not stable. I've got three kids under the age of six. What kind of crazy question is that? Well, that's not the kind of stable I'm talking about here, okay? I get that. I don't always feel stable myself. But there is a different kind of stability. It's what we see in verse 14. Again, look at what it says. So we are no longer to be children tossed back and forth by waves and carried about by every wind of teaching, by the trickery of people who craftily carry out their deceitful schemes. Now, what's going on here? Paul's making this point that believers should not be like children. In other words, that when you hear something, it becomes an impression on you and you need to go, check it out or somehow make it a habit or it should sway you from what you know is the truth. But notice the verse there starts out with the word so. So I want to go back and talk about what the so is there for. This is the result of something. What is it the result of? He starts out in chapter 4 by stressing the importance, first of all, of walking in humility. And Paul says at the beginning that we do this through humility and through gentleness and through patience, that we should have this attitude in our life that incorporates this idea. This is how we walk together because it's not easy being with each other. And he said we have to bear with one another in love. That's at the beginning of the chapter. He said this is your walking around kind of faith. This is how you do this Christianity thing. And then he talks about what is the basis of our unity as a church? Because if we aren't careful, the divisions out there in the world will certainly make their way right into the walls of the church. He said God himself is the basis of our unity. And he talks about the Holy Spirit indwelling this in a bond of peace. He talks about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, being our head. He talks about the Father of all of his children, those of us who have put our faith in Christ. The Trinity, the triune God, is the basis of our unity as Christians. And then Paul talks about gifting. That Christ, when he was victorious after his resurrection, distributed gifts, 
not unlike a military victor back in the Old Testament, would defeat a land and distribute gifts to all of his generals. This is what Christ has done. Gifted the body, and for what reason? He says in verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry that is to build up the body of Christ. We work our way now to the passage I just read. Again, verse 14. So, what is the result? So we are no longer to be children, tossed back and forth by all these different crafty teachings. So what happens when gifted people in the church, and by the way, everyone who's here, if you are, if you are walking with God, if you put your faith in Christ, you are gifted, okay? I want to be very clear, without exception, every eyeball I'm looking at, you've got a gift to use for the body of Christ. You've got something to contribute. We're all gifted in that sense. So what happens when we're all using our gifts? Well, it keeps us from becoming unstable. It keeps us from becoming swept away by bad teaching and trickery and and deceit. We have an epidemic in the United States of America. Recently, I uh, read a quote. This is from James Ernest. He's the vice president and editor-in-chief of Urban's Publishers. A great deal of uh, the books that you use and um, the Dictionary of the Bible. There's, there's several wonderful books that Urban's has put out. And he recognizes a major issue in the United States. And he said this. He said, what we're seeing is massive discipleship failure caused by massive catechesis failure. Now, catechesis is just the instruction and teaching of the Word of God, teaching of the doctrine, what we believe as Christians. Then he goes on to say the evangelical church in the U.S. over the last five decades has failed to form its adherence into disciples. It's true. See, one of my major duties here at First Baptist Church is to teach right doctrine, to preach the truth. So we know what is true about God, and if we know what's true about God, then we can detect the bad stuff when it comes along. How do we detect this bad stuff? Then it can get a little bit more subjective. There was a, an article that came out by a guy who I happen to love to read, Tim Challies. It was called The Five Tests of False Doctrine. There's some really good questions that he poses in this article. A few of them, uh, the first three, you know, does, does it originate from God? Does it appeal to the biblical authority? Is it consistent across the entire Bible? You see, and I hope you understand the, the Bible is the absolute authority when it comes to what we believe and teach. But then the fourth and fifth questions really intrigue me. I'm going to combine them both together. He asks this question. Does something you believe lead to spiritual health and godly living? Now, see, here it gets a little bit more subjective. Because we have a culture that is constantly catechizing us, that is forming us. I'm not talking really about the pastors on TV and online. 
because there's something much more overwhelming. One more guy, Alan Jacobs, he's a professor at Baylor University. He said this, he said, culture catechizes. Culture teaches us what matters and what views we should take about what matters. Our current political culture, he says, Jacobs argued, has multiple technologies and platforms for catechizing, television, radio, Facebook, Twitter, and podcasts among them. People who want to be connected to their political tribe, the people they think are like them, the people they think are on their side, subject themselves to its catechesis all day long. Every single day, hour after hour after hour. See, the question we have to ask ourselves is, after hours of watching this person's opinion on TV, after hours of watching this particular channel, how is it forming me? Because this is what I can ask myself. After I've spent these hours watching this, do I love people more or less? Do I have a stronger sense of them and us? Do you love God more after you've spent these hours being influenced by this particular person or program? See, this is what we have to ask ourselves. Because solid belief leads to solid living. If, if the answer is no, it makes us less stable, and that impacts everybody. So am I stable? Am I believing solidly? Am I being catechized more by God or more by the culture? And again, the question, do I love God more as a result of this? Do I love people more as a result of this? That takes us to the next question, which secondly, do I speak truth? Do I speak truth? Let's look at verse 15. It says, but practicing the truth in love we will in all things grow up into Christ, who is the head. So in contrast to the trickery and the instability and that we see in the previous verse, we have to put truth out there in love. That means putting truth into practice by both our speech and, and by our conduct. It means being mindful of what I choose to say, what I put out there on Facebook and on social media. Making sure they're true. It means in living this kind of transparent sort of way. It means I'm living in such a way that I don't care who would happen to sneak up behind me and look over my shoulder when I'm online, when I'm looking on my phone. That's what this kind of living is talking about. This is whole development. We grow up into Christ. So if you're increasing in knowledge, if you're increasing in what you know, it means that you're also increasing in having the right attitude and patience and gentleness and, and humility and exercising your spiritual gifts. See, Jesus is both our goal and our source. He's both the source of why and how I live the way I'm going to live in Him, and He's also the goal. He's the one to whom I'm trying to reach and become more like. Again, there's a picture here of believing, uh, believers living in a sort of transparent way. It's a lifestyle with pure motives, and that is not easy. Living openly and honestly is not an easy thing. I, uh, Mary Van Leeuwen, she was a professor at Calvin College, she made the comment that we need more transparency in the church, not fear of it. She said it's difficult for men and women alike to be transparent in an evangelical church. You put something on the prayer chain and you never know when your next door neighbor is going to be talking about it. 
It's true. And yet there's such a need for it. Uh, ask yourself, do you speak the truth? And then finally, in regard to whether or not you're a maturing believer, you ask yourself the question, am I growing closer to others? Am I growing closer to others? Think about that for a moment. About what we've already talked about this morning. Because this is all built on God's design for the church. We are a group of diversely gifted individuals and coming together and united by God himself. And through that we gain stability. We speak truth to one another. And then verse 16 from him, the whole body grows, fitted and held together through every supporting ligament. As each one does its part, the body grows in love. So Jesus Christ is both the one into whom we grow individually and the one of whom we grow as a whole church. And the whole body grows as each individual part carries out its function. And you and I are uniquely fitted together. This is the miracle of God, that somehow when a group of believers come together, God fits them together. So each person, miraculously, as they come in, becomes a fitted part of this church that's desperately needed. And we hold each other up. You know, whenever I was in uh, South Carolina this past week, I was reminded of just how bad those fire ants hurt when they sting. Still got some lasting marks from a fire ant mound that I got into. But there's something that fire ants do that can illustrate what it is that I'm talking about here. See, if you put an individual fire ant in, the, in water, it kind of flounders around a little bit, and then eventually it just sinks. But see, then there's something these little... These little devils can do. These little fire ants can do. It's pretty amazing. They can actually come together and form this unified raft. And that's actually a group. They're floating on water uh, in this picture. And they can travel for miles floating as this group of fire ants. As a matter of fact, that's a stick being poked down into those fire ants. And the water just kind of swells up around them. And they've tried to figure out, well, how do they do this? So they collected a bunch of ants. They dropped them into containers of water, they quickly would spread out and they would form themselves into these, these rafts and they examined very closely what happens. And this is what it is. Each one forms this little bubble. Now the bubble's not enough to just keep one ant going a long time, but when they all get together and fit together, now they've got a whole bunch of bubbles. And that's what keeps this raft of ants floating down a river, and they, they went on to say it sheds light on how deeply these insects act together, like they're some car, part of what they called a super organism. That the individuals acting together create this awareness of the environment that no individual ant has. I think you know where I'm going with this. Because the New Testament often speaks of our need to be connected to fellow believers. That we, can neither that we can neither survive nor can we grow alone and individually. But if we're acting and growing together in Christ, we can ride out any storm. So here's what I hope you'll consider doing in 2022. That you will get involved in deeper and more meaningful relationships coming into 2022, that you'll be a more connected part of this local body of Christ. So here is my plea to you. 
that if you're currently involved one hour a week at 2022, for example, at this service, that you will find one more hour a week that you can get involved. So that you will be here at least two hours a week. Now, some of you are thinking, Chad, I'd like to cut it down to two hours a week. I get that. But I'm speaking to you who are currently not involved uh, to that degree, that you get involved two hours a week. Again, we have a, a number of things coming up in ways you can get involved. Um, we've got men's and women's ministries, serving with youth and children. As a matter of fact, we're putting together a whole bunch of volunteer job descriptions so you can see what the expectations would be if you were to get involved uh, more deeply in those ministries. We've got Wednesday night groups, Sunday night groups, Thursday night groups. We've got a number of home groups. And we're updating our website this coming week so you can see what those are. But for us to carry out the mission of First Baptist Church, and we put, the, we put the words back there on the wall. As a matter of fact, I can see them through the doorway. Worship, grow, connect, serve. See, we see those as vital elements of the mission here at First Baptist Church. And growth and connection are inseparable. You cannot grow if you're not connected. If you're not connected, you won't grow. So please, find a way you can get involved in an additional hour a week. I'm going to sum this up. Grow deeper and grow together by shooting for two in 2022. Grow deeper and grow together by shooting for two in 2022. And if you get stuck, let us know. Please don't hit a dead end and say, well, I just couldn't figure out a way. Let us know. We've got two new uh, home groups starting up here in the next couple of months. And we would love to get you connected to one of those. Um, in closing, I want to mention this, this story that was told. It's called The Rabbi's Gift. Uh, in this story, it was a picture of a dying monastery. So picture some of these old monks back in the, the ancient medieval times, serving the Lord, serving Christ for a long, long time. However, they got to the place where it was getting old and it was dying. What had once been thriving is now coming to nothing. One of the abbots of the monastery used to go out into the woods just to sort of ponder the place they were in. And oftentimes he would meet up with this old rabbi, this old Jewish rabbi. And they would talk and he'd ask the rabbi for wisdom. But he didn't get any until one day the rabbi came to him and said, I've got a word of wisdom for you today. Someone in your monastery is the Messiah. And this abbot kind of chuckled to himself. The Jews don't believe the Messiah has come yet. He understood that. He went back to the abbot, talked to the other monks, and said, well, this is what I said. They all kind of had a laugh. Obviously, they believed Christ had already came. But, but this is what happened that was so interesting. They started looking at each other differently. They started looking at each other and seeing different graces that God had given to them that was more Christ-like than the ones that they had themselves. They started treating each other different. They started loving each other more. They started wanting to be around together more. And this started spreading out to the point where they put a sign over the door of the monastery that said, this is the Messiah's community and everybody is welcome. You know, I'm not sure what happened to this church in Ephesus that Paul was writing this letter to. 
Hopefully they saw Christ in each other more and more. Hopefully they got more and more connected to the head and the power source. It could have happened there. It certainly should have. Those people were learning to know the mind of Christ. But what's most important for us for here and now is whether or not you and I are coming together in this place and at this time to be a living example of the body of Christ. Please pray with me. Almighty God, we are so grateful, Lord Jesus, that you are our head, that you have fitted us together, that we are to use our gifts, God, that we, as we use our gifts that you have given us, we protect each other from becoming immature children tossed back and forth. And Lord, I pray that we would be a more connected church, that we would be a growing church, growing to maturity. I pray that we would be more involved than we have been in the past with each other. And God, I pray that you would make that connection happen. Lord, we trust you. We thank you for the wonderful gifts and graces that you've given us in 2021. It's in your holy and precious name we pray. Amen.